Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm joined this week by Natasha Batchelor. She's a sales arborist in Cape Cod, Massachusetts for Hartney Graymont, which is a Davy company. Today is part two of our series on spring flowering trees. We're looking at the eastern part of the country. Welcome to the show, Natasha. What's going on in the weather up there where you're at today? Oh, it's a beautiful day. It's probably about 50 degrees and sunny. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had somebody from Maine and now Cape Cod. That sounds so beautiful. Tell me a little bit about working up there. Uh, Cape Cod is fun. Um, it's uh, completely surrounded by water. It's, a, I guess, a peninsula. The water moderates our temperatures, so it takes a little longer to warm up in the spring, and it takes uh, longer to cool down in the winter, so it makes it uh, interesting. I like to call it the country of Cape Cod. <laughs> well, So when does your spring hit in full force? Uh, it really gets cooking um, probably... M- second or third week in april and then it kind of drags on into may it's a really slow progression and then all of a sudden it's summer sounds about the same way down here in pittsburgh you know we i love spring but boy when it goes from beautiful cool spring and daffodils to like 80 degrees right away uh that's tough uh what are some of the first spring flowering trees that you like to talk about well, I like to, to, to go back into February a little bit. Um, I'm a huge fan of witch hazel. I just oh, yeah. love the way the little flowers have those little tendrils, and it's just the first sign that things are starting to warm up. Um, and then we go into uh, really maples. I don't think people think of those as spring flowering trees, but that's that first pop of a little bit of reddish or greenish color that you get, and it just makes things start to come alive. So school me a little bit on witch hazel. Is that a native? It is. And then I've seen them down here blooming anywhere from late fall, but mostly in that, you know, January, February time down here, mostly yellow, but there are some cultivars that I've seen in different gardens that actually have red flowers. Yeah, I think that I could be misspeaking here, but I think that's the Arnold Promise. Oh, okay. And so a tough tree must be if it's native, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's more of a, it's it's kind of in between shrub and tree. Um, I've seen one, we have a a museum, heritage museum and gardens up here and it fell over, but the stem on it is about nine inches. Wow. And it just kind of grew up from there. So, I mean, they'll apparently fall right over and keep on going. (laughs) And when something's blooming in February, it's the star of, of the landscape. It has to be, right? I agree. So what what's next on your list? What would be the next thing that's going to come into bloom? Well, the star magnolias right now are starting to bud out. They're starting to get that those, those white tips where they're starting to pop out of that bud. So I would think if the weather continues, we'll be seeing those in full bloom next week. And if it's cool enough, they should bloom for maybe two, two and a half weeks. You know, that's the trick for that spring, those spring blooms. First off, down here, the old fashioned, like the pink magnolias, 
about one in seven years, we get a, a frost late and it just zaps those buds. And that's a heartbreaker. Is the same problem for a star magnolia or those are more reliable bloomers? Um, yeah, they tend to be a little bit more reliable. Um, but also we have the same with the pink magnolias. They come out and then we get a rain and it's over. <laughs> so you got you to be watching the plant and then just kind of sit there and have a cup of tea and enjoy it for that one day. (laughs) (laughs) But what a show, right? It might be just one day, but what a show. It is absolutely beautiful. And then, of course, the cherries start to bloom. Um, You know, we've got all kinds of different varieties, so they're blooming at different times. We actually have some right now um, that are blooming bright pink. And, um, you know, your later part of the show tends to be the Kwanzaa cherries, so... Fruit trees are always giving us a, a beautiful show in the in the spring. Down here, we say peaches will break your heart. Oh, my goodness, yes. I don't know how it is up there. You know, beautiful blooms, but one in three years, we get peaches. Uh, tell me about growing cherries. Are they pretty easy? Yeah, so these are mostly ornamental cherries. Um, they seem to do really well. I mean, they're used in a lot of uh, a lot of parking lots for shopping centers and stuff like that. So those are some of your most harsh environments you can have, and they seem to do pretty well. And when do you guys start planting up there, full force, or has it started? Um, I mean, we could be planting now, but the the nur- it's it's really dependent on the nurseries getting in the stock in. So that doesn't really start to get going until May. I was talking to a, a arborist down here from Davie, and he was telling me that there are some problems getting certain plants just because, you know, people have been home and they've been planting them like crazy. Have you seen yeah. that? Yes, there's there's definitely a plant shortage, and it's been the talk of the nursery industry. Um, they basically got wiped out uh, in 2020, and then it, got even, it was even worse in 2021. Uh, the nurseries that I talked to said that plants were the new toilet paper. <laughs> I don't know if I like that analogy, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't, it's not an instant bounce back. That's the thing that people don't understand. You know, planting a tree and having it ready for a consumer is a long process. Exactly. And so I, I think people are just going to have to be a little bit flexible this year. But I think that being flexible is going to help because you're going to be able to tell them about some trees they might not know as much about that will be available. How was your winter up there? Uh, it was actually pretty mild. Um, we don't tend to get a lot of snow on Cape Cod. Um, and if we do, it melts very fast. So um, we had good moisture. We had we had a good bit of rain, which was good going into the fall and coming into the spring. Um, that's one of our main concerns going into the winter is not having enough soil moisture. And that sets you up hopefully for a good spring, right? Yes. Yes. And I, I've i seen a lot less damage from, from winter drying this spring so far than in the past several years. So tell me a little bit about getting into this job. Why is it right for you? Oh, well, you know, as a kid, I uh, grew up in a somewhat rural area. So I spent all my days in the woods running around. Um, and believe it or not, I took a test when I was in eighth grade that told me to be an engineer. And I studied for, uh, you know, math and physics and science all towards that engineering degree. And I went to UMass Amherst for engineering. And I 
was part of that was a, a class for learning what engineers do. So an engineer would come in and talk to you about what it's going to be like to be an engineer. And I went, oh my gosh, I have made a huge mistake. <laughs> um, so I had to pick a major to get out of engineering and I picked forestry, which kind of start, you know, growing up, going into the woods all the time. That seemed like the right thing. Um, and then I realized I did not want to be in the back 40 all by myself with bears. And I walked into the hall there that does the arboriculture program Holdsworth Hall and I saw an advertisement for you know do you like people do you like plants be an arborist and uh, I took an arboriculture class and I never looked back and I found out years later that 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 display that I had seen had been left there by a Davy manager I didn't know till like 15 years later that's pretty cool so you love plants tell me about the relationship with the people about seeing so many different people every day and helping them with their problems. Well, it, it's 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 pretty great. Uh, you know, I like to start conversations about what what do they want out of their yard. Um, oftentimes, they'll they'll bring me in and they'll ask me, you know, what what should I do with my tree? And I'll I'll ask them, well, how do you feel about the tree? Do you love this tree? Do you not love this tree? Let's talk about what you want in your yard because it's your property. This is where you spend your time, and that's that's the part about people. You get to see trees and shrubs through their eyes. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's part of that relationship that I have with my Davy team too, in that I live in this Oak forest, which is a challenge, <laughs> big old Oaks. Uh, one comes down about every winter. And so I'm mm -hmm. replacing it with, we, we talk about what to put in, uh, you know, I want more diversity and I like that. I like to be, I like having an expert to kind of coach me through it. Even though I love gardening and I love trees, that person will tell me like, listen, that, that one is marginal in our area, or you don't have the right situation for it, whatever it might be. I always like to ask an arborist what it's like that feeling when you go to a property and you can actually save something that, that one of our beloved trees that we think is going to die. Tell me about the feeling of saving something when you get to the, the property. It's, it's actually pretty thrilling. Um, I had an in, uh, incident last year um, where I walked onto the property to look at something completely unrelated to what was going on. And I came around the corner and there was a backhoe about to dig the roots out of a 25 inch locust tree about two feet from the trunk. <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait, stop, stop. <laughs> um, so they asked me, you know, fortunately the backhoe was too small. The guy's like, I can't get through it. And I'm like, please don't get through it. And uh, we actually contacted a horizontal driller to go under the, under the roots. Um, and he, he had great success with that. And that tree is perfectly healthy. And I shudder to think what would have happened if they'd brought a bigger backhoe in. You saved it. I, I did. It was really thrilling. I, I, <laughs> I kind of, when I found out from him that he had called the horizontal driller and that's the way they were going, I kind of had a, like a, a woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's a, that's a great story. Uh, let's go back to a few other spring flowering trees. If you've got any more that you can think of that you would recommend for people to plant uh, in the East, anything on your mind? Well, yeah. I mean, right now the, um, the Cornelian cherry dogwoods are starting to bloom and uh, tell, tell people all about that tree because that I is an amazing like, tree. Yeah. I feel like it's under, it's undervalued. Um, 
you know, it's, it's one of those things that's again, blooming when not a lot else is blooming. And it, it's, I think that it, it makes for Scythia look like puts it to shame. Um, it's just such a bright flower and they're, they're, they're delicate little flowers, but the tree is just so covered in them. It's just this pop of beautiful yellow. And I'll tell you what, you, you get a couple cardinals that land in that tree. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's stunning. And again, you know, underused, but pretty tough, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it can be grown as a kind of a, a bushy tree or a single stem tree if you prune it right. And um, I personally, I have one coming in a week or two. Uh, it's just coming as a, as a whip. Um, but I'm looking forward to the fruit. Tell me a little bit about the patience of planting a tree that size, because uh, I love planting small trees. First, I'm a cheapskate, so I want to I want to get them for a discount. But I love putting a small tree in, and I I feel that I I do have the patience to see it reach maturity. That's something you have to consider. I'm certainly with your customers. Like, will they take a small tree like that, or or do they want you know something that's you know, they don't care what it costs. They'll put in a big tree. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the patience pays off. I've, I've got a alternate leaf dogwood that's approaching about four and a half feet right now. And I put it in five years ago. So that's, that's a long time to wait, but I've been able to kind of prune it as it goes along and it's got the perfect structure. And I know that the root system is perfect for the tree because they all started together. The whip and the roots all started together. Um, I typically encourage people to to go with smaller caliper trees rather than large ones. And I try to explain to them that for every inch in caliper, it takes a year of recovery. So if you put a, if you put a five inch tree, five inch maple in, and you put a one inch maple in and five years are going to be the same size and the one inch maple will be healthier and start to outgrow the other one. A lot of times that works for people and they're able to be patient with it. And typically it's the, I have to water it for how many years when it's a bigger tree. So that, that usually works. Natasha, that works for me. Uh, <laughs> and I've learned that from just doing this podcast, you know, oftentimes it's better to go with a smaller tree. First, you are going to save money, but secondly, the health in the long run of a tree definitely is, is, is superior. What else is on the list? I'm going to, I'm going to keep going until you quit. Well, um, red buds, um, you know, again, just the way the flowers come out along the stems, it's, it's almost surreal. And, you know, if you, if you get the regular red buds, it it just, they're almost electric in their, you know, purple pink color. Uh, It's, they almost look fake. They just don't look real. They're just so gorgeous. It's, it's hard to believe. And people who don't know red buds, they're always amazed when they see one, mm-hmm. you know, because because of what you're saying there, because of that show. Now, have you experimented at all with some of the red buds? That, I see some that have like variegated foliage and stuff to, to have longer interest. Have you played with those at all? Um, I put a forest pansy red bud into a client's property last year. So that's got the, the kind of the burgundy foliage. Um, and she was thrilled with it. Just the just having that little different layer of color. I mean, just as hardy as like a regular red bud, we wouldn't have to worry about that. I guess it depends on the cultivar, but in general. It seems it seems to do pretty well. Yeah. All right. If you have one more tree, then I'm going to let you go. So well, we'll start, 
Everybody Sorry. loves a flowering dogwood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, you got that that pop of pink or white when there's not a lot else going on. So those should be coming out in the next two, two to three weeks around here. What do you like better, white or pink? Uh, I like the white. Traditional. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the pink, it just always seems a little bit weaker than the white. And I, I don't know why that is, but the white always seems like a stronger tree to me. It's so funny you say that because I, I inherited a pink one at this property and there's lots of white ones everywhere. And you're exactly right. No matter what I do. And I have to baby that pink one to get it to do what I want it to do. But the white ones, they're just, they're on their own and they're doing their thing. Uh, any tips in general uh, for, for dogwoods to keep them happy? Uh, yeah. Don't plant them in full sun. They're, they're, they're a border plant. They're, they're a transition plant. They're not meant to be planted in full sun. You can, but it's going to be a lot more work. They really want a little bit of shade. All right, Natasha, good stuff. I I was hoping I was going to be able to stump you and stop you at some point, but I think you still have more trees to talk about. Well, I love trees. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time and enjoy it up there in the country of Cape Cod. I will. It was nice talking to you, Doug. I hope you enjoyed both parts of our shows about spring blooming trees. The first part dealt with trees in the western U.S., but includes lots of cool species which can be grown all across the country. Next week, we talk about some amazing research that Davy Tree has compiled on climate change and what it might mean for our landscapes in the future. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. Where else are you going to have this kind of fun, right? As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.